Art thou the king of the Jews? Pilate asks this question of Jesus. And Jesus says, Thou sayest it, I am a king. Yes, Jesus is the king of kings, the lord of lords. The church celebrates liturgically the great feast of the universal kingship of Christ. And this Sunday, the traditional rite, the last Sunday of October, I'll say this, the basic, most fundamental problem of the world today is that it fails to recognize Jesus as their king and their God. Christ's universal kingship is something that I think even we Catholics fail to sufficiently acknowledge and appreciate, although we should, given that every time we pray the Our Father, we profess this. We say, Thy kingdom come. When we say these words, we acknowledge that God the Father is King, and also that His Son, His divine Son, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, who shares His divinity, became man for our salvation, is truly God and King as well. The Old Testament testifies to Christ's kingship. A thousand years before Christ's birth, the prophet Nathan revealed to King David that his descendant would be king and rule over his throne forever. The Lord reveals to you, David, I will raise up your heir after you, sprung from your loins, and I will make his kingdom firm, and I will make his royal throne firm forever. <clears throat> prophecy was fulfilled literally a thousand years later at the Annunciation when the angel announced, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall name him Jesus, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary knew exactly what those words meant, and we Jew did. The book of Revelation calls Jesus King of kings, Lord of lords. And numerous popes have taught about the universal kingship of Christ. Pope Leo XIII, in his 1899 encyclical on consecrating the world to the sacred heart of Jesus, teaches that Jesus is king over all peoples and all nations, firstly by a natural right, because he is God, one in being with the Father, and also by an acquired right, because the Word was made flesh, and Jesus died for our sins, the sins of mankind. Though every king has a kingdom, every king has a kingdom. Where is Christ's kingdom? Well, the Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches kingdom of heaven was inaugurated on earth by Christ. Where is that kingdom? The Catholic Church is the seed and the beginning of his kingdom. Its keys are entrusted to Peter. Yes, the Catholic Church is the kingdom of Christ on earth, which will only come to full perfection at Christ's second coming, the end of the world, when the sheep and goats are separated and Christ faithful are united to him, and he hands over all to his Father. The Church, Christ's mystical body, will reach its perfection 
family. And the kingdom will be perfected, complete. So between the time that Christ inaugurated the kingdom, his first coming, the founding of the church, and the church reaching its full perfection and Christ's second coming, well, <clears throat> what does our Lord want us to do? Well, Jesus, before he sent them to heaven, told his apostles, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. In other words, Jesus wants his apostles and all of us to work in extending his kingdom on earth, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church that he founded on Peter and the apostles, and this work is called the work of the apostolate. Jesus, his Father, sent the Holy Spirit on Pentecost to lead and guide the church in all the truth. And even though the church doesn't govern in secular matters, it doesn't mean that the church should be ignored. The church is to be the light and the guide for all nations. And the strict separation of church and state, as is understood by many, uh, is actually a heresy. It's condemned by numerous popes. For example, Pope Leo XIII, his 1888 encyclical, Libertas, on the notion of human liberty, was really addressing the false notion of human liberty. He says, there are some who affirm that the morality of individuals should be guided by divine law but not the morality of the state, that in public affairs the commands of God may be passed over, entirely disregarded in the framing of laws. Hence follows the fatal theory of the need of separation between church and state. He goes on to say the absurdity of such a position is manifest. Nature herself proclaims the necessity of the state providing means and opportunities whereby a community of people being able to live properly according to the laws of God. Think about it, the state has laws against murder, against stealing. Okay? This is the commandments in our civil laws. And besides, those in authority owe it to the commonwealth, okay, the good of common good of all the citizens, not only to provide for its external well-being and conveniences of life, having a good economy, but still more importantly, to look out for the welfare of men's souls and the wisdom of their legislation. Because without guidance by the church, the civil authorities can deviate from the laws of God. We see that evident in our country today. We have laws imposed on us by the Supreme Court, okay? um, permitting the murder of unborn children in the womb, permitting two people of the same sex to join in what the state recognizes as a marriage. I can go on with a whole litany, laundry list of, of these types of, of things that are contrary to the law of God, contrary to the common good. 
Well, also, just to pick up on what I said before about the apostolate, the work of the apostolate, we as baptized members of Christ's church, this mystical body, have a solemn duty to spread Christ's kingdom. And I'll quote here from John Paul II, St. John Paul, his 1999 letter, The Church in America. He said this, If we believe that Jesus is the truth, we cannot fail to desire ardently to be his witnesses in order to bring our brothers and sisters closer to the full truth that dwells in the Son of God made man, who died and rose. In this way, we will be able, in this world, to be living beacons of faith and hope and charity. In this regard, special care must be taken to train laypersons capable of working on the basis of their faith in Christ to, to transform earthly realities. Okay. What does that mean, practically speaking? It means that good Catholics should be getting involved in every aspect of society, in law, in medicine, in teaching, government. Because if we don't lead the way, we'll be in a mess as we are now. Okay? And we need good faithful Catholics. Okay? Not, you know, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but those types of Catholics, okay? No, no. One other aspect of Christ's kingship Quote St. John Hughes here, maybe you haven't heard of him, he's a famous saint, lived almost throughout the whole of the 17th century. He was a great proponent of what's called the Father, the Doctor, Apostle of the Hearts of Jesus and Mary. He composed the first masses in honor of the Hearts of Jesus and Mary, and he saw he saw that Jesus desires to perfect us by forming himself in us. This wasn't a new idea of his. But he saw the Eucharist as the way to do this. When we receive the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ, this helps to transform us. Jesus in the Gospels says, the kingdom of God is within you. Well, Jesus is also king. He's king. The Eucharist is Jesus Christ is full of divinity and humanity. Therefore, Christ's reign here on earth is truly a Eucharistic reign. He reigns in us more fully and transforms us when we receive him in holy communion. And if we want to be the great transformers of our society, our culture, as Christ calls us to be, which may include martyrdom, in our present day and age. Okay? Because if you're speaking out against the state, you very well be a martyr. We need that strength that only Christ can give us. As Christ's reign is a Eucharistic reign, he reigns in the Eucharist through love. His heart is there too. And we have to do our work as part of the apostolate with and through Mary. She's the queen who reigns with him. Okay. And I'll quote um, 
one of my favorite books. It's very worn out. I've had it for 40 years. I keep reading it. St. Louis de Montfort, True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is how he begins his first line of the True Devotion. It was through the Blessed Virgin that Jesus Christ came into the world. It is also through her that he must reign in the world. Yes. And he says that the reason that Jesus and his kingship isn't known and lived throughout the world is because Mary isn't known as she should be. She who first gave him to the world will establish his kingdom in the world. Let us call upon Mary at this feast of Christ the King and ask her help that she may form Christ in us. That's what she does. She's our spiritual mother in the order of grace. When we receive her son, his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, that through her prayers, we may become more and more like Jesus and work truly to extend his kingdom on earth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.